Hi everyone, this is Alternative and I'm your host, Tatiana. Okay, so <laughs> I went into so much personal um, on the last episode and I guess such is life, right? Um, that is what led me here and perhaps um, a variety of other different circumstances might still be applicable or relatable in some way that others have had that might be leading them to a similar place. So that was my um, intent and reasoning for sharing all of that that happened with me personally. Um, and now, of course, I am going to get into what the hell is the symptothermal method? I know you've been wondering. I'm going to tell you now. <laughs> um also, let me tell you, there's a little bit of good news if you were wondering. So, so what happened? You were on the birth control pill and, and um, then the IUD and that was a little traumatic. And so what's going on with me now? Well, I've been on the symptothermal method since um, I think like January and, um, and I've been off of hormonal birth control since January as well, or whenever it was in January that I finally got the IUD removed. And um, my period is regular, which is not something I've ever experienced, really. I, I mean, maybe when I first got my period, but then it was irregular for years. And then I, again, had the Band-Aid solution of birth control. And every time I've been off the pill, like when I tried for the three months, it was also irregular. Um, so for the first time ever, it's, it is regular and, um, I love my cycle. I love my period. Um, I do still get cramps, but not nearly as bad as the cramps I used to get. Um, something I learned in the period repair manual by Laura Biden is like, yes, cramps are, are normal as you say. Um, but, having super painful cramps is not is not necessarily normal. It's not something that we should have to just cope with and there all are um alternatives and like ways to treat that as well as a bunch of other things that can happen with your period and to treat your period health. So I would really recommend that book because there is just so much in there that I cannot even get into, um, but that's also helped me in conjunction with my natural path. And now I'm pretty much like on my own, not on my own, but yeah, I'm kind of just uh, living my lifestyle from the things I've learned and really enjoying it, um, feeling empowered and free in my body and with my cycle and it's, uh, it doesn't seem like a big deal to have a regular cycle, but it's a freaking big deal. Um, I think a lot of people know that if you've had an irregular cycle or you've lost your cycle or this or that it can be, um, emotional and, um, painful and, um, frustrating. Um, so also if you do have an irregular cycle, um, whether that be too frequent or too, um, not, not frequent enough, um, I just want to say that I love you and I know, I know it's hard and it can feel like something to grieve. Um, so yeah, uh, your cycle will return. Your cycle will regulate. I have hope and faith for you. I can't actually say that as a doctor. Um, uh, and however your cycle looks right now, 
you deserve to love yourself and tap into your feminine energy and embrace your femininity and being a cyclical hormonal emotional being just as much as anybody else so please be empowered and love your body no matter what state you're in because i think part of getting um part of regulating your cycle or regulating anything is loving and accepting and bringing so much light and acceptance and compassion to exactly where you are right now, which is really, really, really freaking hard to do. <laughs> um, all right. What's the cervical symptothermal method? Okay. <laughs> so the symptothermal method combines um, the cervical mucus method, the standard days method, and the basal body temperature method. So let me explain each of these things. When we talk about the standard days method, um, this is what you probably think of when someone says like the rhythm method or the Catholic method or whatever, which is just like tracking your cycle on a calendar essentially, or there used to be little bracelets for it. Um, and this method alone is not super effective. Um, it's just not. Um, <laughs> so this method incorporates other um, other things into it and uh, making it way more effective than just those methods. So please don't get the symptothermal method confused with the rhythm method or the Catholic method. It's different than that. Um, though I do... It, it does incorporate tracking, but there's much more to it. So the basal body temperature method is, um, it just means tracking your temperature and the way that changes throughout your cycle as well. And then knowing like what it means when it peaks or is lower and how that indicates your fertile window versus your non-fertile window. Um, so you take your temperature first thing in the morning before you get up, before you drink water, before you check your phone, before you do whatever. Um, you take your temperature and then you record that. And um, I will get into more of the nitty gritty, but basically your temperature will peak um, during ovulation and then it will stay higher for the remainder of your cycle or well so it temp it spikes after ovulation which is there's a period basically where you're gonna have a few days where you might be ovulating you only ovulate one day but there's a few like you know to be safe it's about five days um five to seven days that you would say, well, I could be ovulating around here. I'm ovulating sometime here. And so when you're using this method, you're going to, you want, you want to have that room. You don't want to count on just the one ovulation day. Um, so this is going to be your fertile window. And so anyway, your temperature will spike after ovulation and it'll stay high the rest of the cycle. Um, the cervical mucus method just looks at your cervical mucus slash your discharge. Um, so you can do this by just looking in your underwear and you might see a little bit. Um, you can also insert two fingers into the vaginal canal, take them out, and then like spread the two fingers apart to see the consistency of the mucus. So it can um, range from like 
thicker and wider, um, like sticky, or when you're ovulating, it's going to be more thin, watery, slimy, clear. And so, um, yeah, so that's another indication of your fertile window. And when you're ovulating is um, that that thin, watery, slimy mucus. Um, so all of these things are done um, in conjunction or uh, at the same time to track your fertile, infertile period and, and also when you're menstruating. Um, and how you use this method is during your fertile period, um, you can either abstain from sex or you can use a barrier method, which would be like a condom. Um, it is more effective if you just abstain from sex during the fertile period rather than using a barrier method. Um, and here's the thing. If you are not going to have vaginal intercourse during the fertile period, it doesn't mean you can't have sex. Hint, hint, wink, wink. There's plenty of other kinds of sex you can have and experiences you can have and a lot of fun you can have during the fertile window. So it's nothing to like be sad about. <laughs> um, and so, okay, I am going to get into more of these phases and everything too, but I just wanted to note that this has been the most empowering for me and my mentality um, in terms of sex and uh, partners and how I approach birth control because what's cool is I want my partner to be involved in my cycle and also know where I am and um, can help keep track of that. Whereas um, the methods I had previously used, like hormonal methods, the burden of responsibility fell 100% on me. And if something was messed up, like I was irregular with my birth control pill and then had sex and then took plan B, again, falls on me, burden on on my body. And um, uh, like I mentioned, I didn't want to inconvenience my partner, like in a monogamous relationship where I'm not worried about STIs and STDs. I didn't want to inconvenience anyone. I didn't want to burden anyone. Again, I don't think that's what a condom is. That's just how I was perceiving it. That's how I felt. I felt like, well, no, I just want to be like, I just want to be like, I want to make it easy for them. Like a very attitude of, um, I'm going to serve my partner and do whatever for my partner. I wasn't focused on my orgasm. I wasn't focused on my general health or anything. It was just like, I, sex wasn't necessarily a mutual thing. It wasn't 100% for me in terms of the way I had this mentality, the way I was approaching it. I just wanted to be good and like be used, uh, sort of is the way it was kind of going. And that's not how it's going. And again, uh, being on hormonal birth control doesn't mean you approach it that way. It could be like, no, I feel free and empowered and in control of my sexuality. And it could be a totally different perspective. That's just the one I had and what I associated with that or what I manifested with that. Um, but for me now, I feel like, um, no, I'm taking a stand. I'm not going to risk my health anymore to avoid pregnancy and not be an inconvenience um, to my my partner. And now this can be a mutual thing and we can keep track of my cycle together. And, um, 
yeah, you should know, like your partner can know <laughs> what kind of cervical mucus you have in today, baby. Um, I don't know. <laughs> has your temperature, has your basal body temperature spiked yet? Um, but they can keep track of this with you. They can keep track of it. And now birth control becomes a two-partnered thing. And it's two people both preventing pregnancy together, not just me um, taking all of this responsibility that was actually harming and hindering my body. And that has just helped my approach in general um, about sex to feel mutual and empowered and liberating and freeing and beautiful and consensual and all these awesome great things that I'm experiencing now. And again, I don't attribute that all to this method. I just, um, it, it was my mindsets and perceptions around it too. So, okay, let's get into, let's get into it. Um, so first you're going to have, you're going to menstruate or again, so you could say this is the first or the last part of the cycle, I guess. Um, so it's the first part of the like secreting and menstruating, and then you'll then start your um, ovulatory cycle. But um, so first you're going to menstruate, and this is going to be have your period days one through five. I mean, so it could be this long. The average cycle is 21 to 28 days. Um, so yes, um, this is part of the follicular phase and this is when the corpus luteum degenerates. So a new, um, so a new ovarian cycle can begin. Um, sorry, I just made a mistake. So it's a new ovarian cycle that begins, not ovulatory cycle because there's an ovulatory phase. I'm sorry. So I made that error. <laughs> So a new ovarian cycle can begin. So basically everything else is going to be your ovarian cycle. And then there is a specific ov ovulatory phase. Sorry if this is confused. I'm sorry if I've already made this more confusing than it needs to be. <laughs> That's not my intent. I'm so sorry. Um, and then this is when estrogen and progesterone are at the lowest. And of course you are bleeding. You might be in pain. Um, next is the follicular phase or also it's included menstruation is included in the follicular phase. So the follicular phase will continue. So this is days one through 14 about, and uh, the follicular stimulating hormone causes follicles to mature and produce estrogen. Um, and then after that, you're going to ovulate. And so this is your ovulatory phase. And this is, so this, it, suppose it's, it happens on day 14 about, but you might expect, expect this days 13 to 15. And this is when the, um, um, LH hormone, luteinizing hormone causes ovulation when the follicle ruptures and releases an egg from the ovary. Um, so some people can feel this occurring. Basically your, you might feel one, one side one ovary like thumping it's called thumping ovary like you might actually feel that the more I've like thought about it and got in tune I usually feel when my egg drops when I'm actually ovulating on ovulation day um so yeah um and then again this is when the basal body temperature increases and stays high for the remainder of the cycle so this is one of the ways you keep track of that um, and also this is when your discharge is watery, thin, and muc um, watery, <laughs> watery, thin, and clear. 
Um, your sex drive might also go up because you also (laughs) testosterone also peaks at this time. So you might be a little extra frisky. How you you might be a little, you might be a little, uh, (laughs) frisky. So, uh, if you are just don't have a vaginal intercourse, or use a barrier method. <laughs> um, the next phase is the luteal phase. L- I like. I don't know why this word is fairly really difficult for me right now, but it is the luteal the luteal l- phase. Um, these are days fifteen to twenty eight ish, and this is when the ruptured follicle forms a corpus luteum and secretes progesterone and some estrogen. Um, and this, you so you might have like thicker discharge at this time, and then again like thicker, like um, creamier discharge. Um, and again, your temperature is going to stay high during this phase, and then. Yeah, then your cycle is going to start over when you menstruate. And again, that's when your temperature will be lower again before you ovulate. Um, also random, I'm not going to get super into this, but I also now use a menstrual cup rather than tampons or pads because this has also been the most empowering thing for me. And um, tampons were invented by men. They literally were like, just shove that up there. And that's how they were invented. Um, so I don't use that. Um, use those. But again, how you... Um, some people free bleed. Some people use menstrual cups. It's whatever works for you. But something cool with menstrual cups is I can actually see what kind of... Um, what kind of like blood I have day to day. And it actually varies, which is something I had no idea about. And it can also indicate things about your health. Um, so I won't get into that too much. I think the period repair manual, yeah, definitely gets into that. So different consistencies and, um, and like colors and different things. So that's something that also makes me feel really in tune with myself and um, just really aware of my body and anything that my body's trying to communicate and tell me. So um, I guess a little random. So how do I do this in practice? In practice, I have two apps. One's called Flow. One's called, let me pick up my, I don't know what it's called. It's called Kin, Kin, Kindera. And I use the free versions of both of these. You can upgrade. If you're able to make an investment into this, then, you know, probably upgrade. I just am not right now. Um, the Canandra Ken- one tracks my temperature. The Flow one doesn't, but it tracks everything else, including like my steps and um, everything. So I track all of my physical symptoms, like my moods and how I feel physically, acne. Um, track my temperature. So I track my temperature in the other one, but I also put a note of my temperature in this one. Um, and then of course discharge and the cycle. And so, um, I've been doing that. I had been jotting it in my notes, not in the app. So I updated it in the apps for quite a while. Um, so I have a lot of history in there where I feel it's reliable. Um, if you're considering this method, first of all, I'm not a doctor, so I did not like teach this 
very well at all. I just wanted to introduce it and give you the basics, but I will provide some links um, for more information so that you can continue to learn about it and decide if this is going to be the most empowering um, or just best in whatever way um, method of birth control for you. So I would definitely also be um, basically recording everything, tracking your cycle and your temperature and your mucus for quite a few months. I mean, I'd say like three to six. Again, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> this is an estimate. <laughs> I probably tracked mine for about four months before I started actually being sexually active with this method. Um so I would track it for a while and make sure you're really getting to know yourself because we're not really necessarily in the habit of knowing these things. And the more you do it, the more I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm ovulating. Of course, you're going to track it to like verify, but you'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm ovulating today. You're like, oh yeah, I'm in my follicular phase, blah, blah, blah. Or yeah, I'm in my little phase. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, you'll just know more, which I love. It just makes me remember things about myself and feel connected and and respectful of myself but so yeah please uh track for a few months before you're using this as your primary method i would definitely be using a barrier method as you're figuring this out um so yeah um and i'll of course provide some links so i also wanted to talk about um as i know these cycles and like why this has so positively affected me is that I've been able to honor my body um, with treating myself a little bit differently or or um, being respectful of the changes that I'm going through hormonally. And I've found ways to like honor and acknowledge that in a way that makes my lifestyle a little bit better and is like working with the cycle instead of against it. And so I just wanted to share a little bit about that too. Um, I want everyone to be empowered in this way and I want y'all to honor your body and love your body and honor your cycle and love your cycle. Um, I also wanted to say that being emotional is awesome. It's awesome. Um, it, being emotional just means that you have emotionally regulate because if you can acknowledge and recognize your emotions and then express your emotions and then like move through them to another emotion that's regulating your emotions and that's super important for your overall health so i would argue that not being emotional is not i mean i don't know actually I don't really have anything to say about that. I just wanted to say that being emotional is nothing to be ashamed of and it shouldn't be used to insult like predominantly women. And same thing with being hormonal. Being hormonal is just a fact. Like, yeah, I'm hormonal. Like, yeah, my hormones are fluctuating all the time. No shit. Like, I, I am hormonal and like it should not be an insult. It's kind of ridiculous that it is like, but of course it's just one of many ways to, um, perpetuate sexism and misogyny. So, you know, I would love to just take that narrative back and celebrate, um, emotions and hormones and cycles and just love it to counteract and resist all of this sexism. Um, 
<laughs> okay, so some things I do and some things you might be able to expect within these different um, phases of your cycle is um, a lot of people know there's like mood swings when you are um, bleeding, when you're on your period. And so you might also have low energy. You might have heightened brain activity, which could interfere with sleep. Um, so something I do sometimes before I get my period is, and something you can do if it feels right to you, is um, like prepping some food beforehand so that you, because you might not feel like cooking when you're on your period. I get that way sometimes. I'm like, I just want to order something. I don't want to cook, but you want like a nutritious, good meal. And so you're in this conflict. So if you can prep like one of your favorite nutritious meals, whatever it may be, like whatever just sounds good and is also going to give you all kinds of nutrients and you could just prep some meals and have that ready for your period. Treat yourself and of course relax. I mean, it just freaking sucks that we have to like carry on as normal or whatever when really we're supposed to be like retreating and chilling so if you have like freedom and opportunity to I would allow yourself to relax and have some peace um be easy on yourself and be loving towards yourself like what I what I think when I'm on my period is one I'm like releasing that cycle I'm starting anew so I'm releasing like everything from my body and I'm just thinking of it as like a cleansing and like okay and I'm being kind and it kind of hurts a little bit to release this but I'm releasing it and that's so that's how I treat that for myself um, during your follicular phase, you might have a little more energy. So like right when you're done uh, bleeding, you might have a little bit of um, like energy, like feeling good and creative perhaps. Um, so it might be a good time to exercise or start a project, work on something. Ovulation, you're often going to be even more energized. Um, again, your sex drive is going to be high. And ovulation is just the wildest thing um your skin clears up and your face is actually more symmetrical like everything about you this is the, when you're the most attractive there's been scientific studies on this um and also tend to be the most social and outgoing because biology is like hello get me pregnant again we're trying not to get pregnant unless you are uh, good for you i'm not um so <laughs> But this might be a good time to plan, like plan accordingly, a time to go out with um, with your friends, like a party. Like if you're kind of a, I'm more, um, I'm more retreat rather than I do go out. And so there's only rare occasions where I feel like going out and um, you might. If you, if you feel it that way too, this might be a great time to plan an event, a party, a get together, um, something social, and it just might be a good time to tap into your like fun, easygoing, free, sexual energy and have a great time. Um, and then let's see the luteal phase. Um, so some lowered estrogen and moon might go down. Um, you could be a little irritable or sad. And, um, some people get bloated around this time. So don't push yourself. Your body's kind of preparing for your period right now. And so, um, like, yeah, don't push yourself to exercise or do whatever. If you're feeling a little worn down, it just means you need to rest more. Um, 
so yeah, those are just little things I do to kind of honor what happens during my um, phases of my cycles. And I have just loved connecting with that because it's just kind of been something that's happened. Like, yeah, I menstruate or whatever, but uh, you know, there's all this shame and stigma around it. And then of course we say negative things and then it has this negative connotation and this negative association of, oh crap, I'm on my period again. And I'm really trying to shift the narrative and language around that to like, I'm on my period and it hurts, but I'm releasing and cleansing. And I'm grateful for it. You know, I'm so grateful for all of these phases and this cycle and to be a cyclical being as a whole. Um, I hope that others are feeling excited and ready to celebrate their cycles too. So, <laughs> yeah, let's let's change the narrative, everyone. And um, of course, this has helped me to feel empowered sexually and in every aspect of my life, health, everything. So I'll provide more resources for all of this. Um, okay, everyone, love fully, be authentic, and live alternatively. My goal is to bring light to alternative perspectives and practices with hopes to spread connection, community, empathy, and empowerment. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're now on Apple Podcasts, so search Alternative Tatiana Saunders and give me a rating and review, and please share this episode on social media so that we can continue and expand these discussions.